Hello, and welcome back to the Care to Change podcast, where we discuss practical solutions for positive change. We're so grateful that you've chosen to join us. Today, you'll be listening to a conversation our director, April Bordeaux, has with Jean Crane, one of Care to Change's therapists. They'll be discussing anxiety as part of our Women's Topics series. Thanks for listening as we continue to foster practical solutions for positive change. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Care to Change podcast. I'm April Bordeaux, and I am so glad that you are with us today. This is a a super exciting time because we are kicking off a new series today uh, for women. So uh, for those of you ladies who are joining us or maybe their partners, spouses who want to help their their women and the women in their lives, thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited to be here and to kick off this series today with you. I have a special guest with me. She's been with us a couple of times and I'm glad that she's willing to return um, today with us, uh, Jean Crane, one of our therapists at Cure Chain. Jean, thank you so much again yes. for coming uh, back to I'm our so podcast. so glad to be here. So for those of you who uh, don't know, well, I will tell you our topic today is a big one and we wanted to kick off this topic on purpose. The topic is anxiety and depression. And we chose this topic because we know uh, whether you are posting it on social media or not, we know the number of women who are experiencing either anxiety or depression or maybe even both. And so we know, we know that you're out there. Um, we see it every day. And so we want to address this issue to give you some resources in between your sessions or to remind you that we're here mm-hmm. so that you can call us if you need. Uh, before we get into our topic, I would like Jean um, to just really introduce yourself. When we put out the list of topics that we wanted to uh, address, this was one that you signed up for. So tell us about yourself and what made you pick the topic of anxiety and depression in women. Sure. Well, I've been a licensed mental health counselor for the past 18 years. And um, being a woman myself maybe gives me a little experience on this whole thing. (laughs) But I um, have always loved working with like teenage girls and then kind of turned into working with moms who are pregnant and postpartum. And I guess just as I grow and get older, I just enjoy more and more um, working with women. And especially in the areas of anxiety and depression, I feel Um, blessed to have seen some good progress in the work that I've been able to do. And I guess that's just really fulfilling as a therapist. And I I just feel like there's hope Mm -hmm. for anyone who's struggling with it. And I just want to encourage them to just, you know, give us a try, give us a call or talk with somebody about it because there's hope there. Yeah. And we were talking before, before we started rolling here today, okay, well, we know that this is affecting the number, a number of women. We're trying to come, well, what is the number now? Is it one in five women, one in four women? Is it higher than that? I, we, whatever it is, we know that it's a lot. And so wherever you are right now, if you're driving in your car, if you're sitting at home, I want you to think about the last time that you were in a group, maybe at a girl's night out, maybe at church, maybe at your life group. Uh, I'm not sure what circles you're in at the gym. And think about how many ladies were in that room with you. And you can look around and do the math yourself Mm -hmm. knowing, and maybe you're, you're tuning in because you know, this is something that affects Mm -hmm. you. So we want to give you some practical solutions for positive change uh, that will really make a difference for you. So let's, let's start really with how do you know if it's stress or anxiety? Mm -hmm. How do you know if you're sad or you have depression? Sure. 
Well, I would say um, just off the top, the definition for stress and anxiety, there a lot of people use them hand in hand. So you don't know for sure the difference, but stress, I would say, is more of an acute situational thing that's happening for you. So, you know, when we're, I guess, in the month of December, I think a lot of women experience it like, man, there's so much going on. I have to be taking care of all of this stuff in this month and my kids are taking finals and Christmas and all of those things. So that might be a time period where you would be experiencing stress because of a lot of environmental things that are happening for you. Anxiety would be more of a chronic situation where you're recognizing just having maybe a generalized feeling of tension and apprehensive uneasiness that just kind of lasts for you no matter what, if it's December or January or February, like kind of just persistent for you. So I would say the difference between stress and anxiety would be um, the length of it. And then when you talk about the difference between anxiety and depression, a lot of times these two things go hand in hand too. Um, I think most people kind of understand that anxiety comes out a lot of times in physical symptoms. So um, people often actually go into their medical doctor to say, I think I might be having heart problems or mm -hmm. I think that I have a stomach issue going on because they're experiencing those symptoms of anxiety, but they don't know where to classify that. But just so you know, nausea, feeling sick to your stomach, having heart palpitations, chest pain, even to the point of maybe feeling like, man, is this a heart attack or something? Those are the kind of physical symptoms that come with anxiety. And then with depression, you might find more just a lack of desire to get up and to get out and to engage with people and to do the things that you previously found joy in. It's a lack of motivation, just wanting to just sleep and kind of escape from life. So to me, that'd be a bit of a difference. Yeah, big, big difference. And yes, kind of similar, but Yes. How do you know the difference? So um, a question that I, I thought, you know, as women, we, we wear a lot of hats, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're married, we're, we have kids, maybe we're not married, but we have kids, mm -hmm. you know, kids are in different ages and stages, mm -hmm. we're working or not working, there's blended so many families, blended yes. families, you know, um, leaders, not leaders. I mean, there's so many, mm -hmm. uh, there's so many different roles that women get to play. Mm -hmm. Um, and so sometimes maybe we ignore some of the signs until our body tells us, right. Yes. And so mm -hmm. someone will say, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then all of a sudden, oh, I think I'm having a heart attack. You go to the doctor and they say, nothing's wrong. Yeah. We, we, we see nothing. And, yes. and so I want to say to the, to the ladies who are listening, if you're experiencing some of these physical symptoms and when you go to the doctor, the doctor says, you know, everything's coming back quote normal. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, what is happening to mm -hmm. me? Of course it can be, you know, hormonal, right? Yes. We know that our bodies change over time. Um, and it could be, you know, anxiety or depression. And so we have to look at all of these different areas. Mm -hmm. A question that I have for you is tell me, and those who are listening, what do, th what are things women do that make it worse? So hmm. we, a lot of times, and, and I want to, we'll get to what will make it better, right? Sure. But there are things that we as women do to sort of, um, and I, I, this isn't casting blame. It's yeah. just some of what we, what, who we are in life mm -hmm. really put us in a place yes. where, well, if we're prone to it, we're going to experience it. Yes. So what are some things that you see across the board um, that women tend to do that could actually promote feelings um, that are th similar to anxiety or depression. 
I think you already touched on one of them and that is to ignore the symptoms that might be happening in your life. And that isn't to blame anyone. That's just to say like, sometimes you just feel like, man, I got to just put one foot in front of the other and keep going on the treadmill. And life is so busy. I don't really even have time to stop and take inventory. Like what's going on with me? And so just going from one thing to the next and that busyness keeps us from stopping and saying like, I think that there's something here. And when we don't do that, the long-term implications are pretty concerning. Mm -hmm. So what I've seen in the practice here is that as people reach maybe their 40s into their 50s, all of a sudden they're like experiencing chronic fatigue syndrome or rheumatoid arthritis or some of these major physical problems that are keeping them from living. And what happened was that during those years, maybe they were just starting a career or they were raising their family. They were just so busy that they didn't take inventory and get help earlier. And so then the long term, they're they're experiencing it in a really big way. So I think not stopping mm-hmm. to pay attention is definitely one. Another one is shame. And that is like feeling like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be feeling this way. What's wrong with me? Why am I not motivated? Something is wrong with me. I shouldn't, I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And so then instead of reaching out, they just kind of beat themselves up and guilt trip themselves and just say like, buck up, you know, like you just need to get it together. So come on, just, you know, move, move forward instead of saying, no, it's okay. Like I do matter Mm -hmm. and it's okay. I don't need to be ashamed to reach out and get help when I'm feeling this way. Thank you. Um, Jean, what I'm hearing you say is, women, ladies, let's give ourselves permission for the pause, right? To acknowledge what is happening in our life and to look at if that is adding to what it is that we're experiencing internally, what Mm -hmm. we're feeling. So giving ourselves the emotional permission to just pause and assess um, that. And then when it comes to shame, Um, to say, you know, our feelings, and we we say this a lot, you know, our feelings just are, they're not right. They're not wrong. They just are. So if we're having some of these feelings, it's not because we're a bad person or we're not strong enough, right? Right. Oh, we ought to be able to get through this. We we have to be stronger. I'm going to be stronger. Like it's a badge of honor, but we're just crumbling on the inside. So giving ourselves permission. So thank you for that. For those who are listening, you know, you know, what I'm hearing Jean say is one tip, give yourself permission to practice the pause. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe we have people who are listening that say, uh, that's why I'm listening because I already know I don't have to practice the pause. (laughs) I'm here. I'm listening. Give me some tips. What am I actually supposed to do about all of this? I already know I don't have to pause. Right. Mm -hmm. So talk, talk to the listeners about what can they actually do? Yeah, I am acknowledging. I know it. What am I supposed to do about it? Well, it's funny that you say practice the pause because my very first tip is actually about sleep mm-hmm. and taking some rest. I think, um, like we said, with women doing the juggling act that so many of us do, sometimes we don't prioritize one of the most fundamental things that can help us with emotional regulation. And that is sleep. It is really hard to get to bed on time. There's just so much going mm-hmm. on. But it will make the next day feel so much better when you start to do mm-hmm. that. And so, and I know some people really struggle with actually falling asleep, especially if you have anxiety. That can be one of those things like mm-hmm. my mind, man, that's the first time in the day when I'm just like quiet. And then that's when my mind really starts going. So I recognize that this can be a struggle and I, I want to encourage you to get help with asleep if that's a a problem for you get help with even the falling asleep part but that's an issue or waking up often or um you know saying like well I can't go to bed on time and I'm getting up so early that my actual sleep time is so shortened 
Um, and I think that can be really concerning. The second thing along with that is periods of rest in our lives too, because, you know, there's really not a sacred day left anymore. We used to kind of set aside Sundays as the quote unquote Sabbath Mm -hmm. rest. But what I've noticed is that even with my kids in activities and sports, Sunday isn't a day Mm -hmm. that's sacred. In fact, it's a day that they like really pile on because they're like, oh, this is a day that people aren't working. So we can add a ton of activities for that day. And so we don't have anything in our rhythm of life that says just stop, just like, you know, God wanted us to do. He didn't do that to make our lives miserable. He actually did that to promote health and peace in us. And when we don't have any of that, you know, you go, maybe you go to work Monday through Friday and then Saturday and Sunday, you just slammed with activities or getting everything done that you couldn't do during the work week and you never take that rest that's really not good Mm -hmm. for the body and it can result in anxiety right and I want to touch on sleep because I know I hear that from Mm -hmm. from women that I see here and I'm sure that you do as well the the topic of of sleep and so you know I wanted to test this out because you know the more research you you read the more you're like well, your cortisol levels won't go back yeah. down to, to baseline mm-hmm. if you don't give yourself rest, you know, and if you don't get into proper REM and like as a parent, you're like, well, I could just shave off one hour and I can get up a little bit earlier. And so rest is sort of countercultural, right? Yes. So we get the badge for being busy. And so rest isn't something. <laughs> so and so I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to test this out. I'm going to practice what I preach here. And so really even thought I, at 10 o'clock, if I can get up mm-hmm. at six and get, that's eight hours. There's no way I'm going to do this. I'm a 1am person, right? So <laughs> okay, I'm going to just test it out. I'm, there's no way I'm going to go to sleep. Well, I, I'm going to practice sleep hygiene and I want to talk about sleep hygiene. Cause I think sometimes women come in and they say, well, I, I, you know, I shut the light off at whatever time they pick 10, mm-hmm. 11, 12, one, whatever. And then I can't sleep. And so I want to talk about what happens before. What I want to say is when I practice it and practice the sleep hygiene, I was out, you know, at 10 o'clock and I was shocked because I thought my mind will not, it's not going to slow Mm -hmm. down enough to sleep. But when we do practice the proper sleep hygiene, Mm -hmm. which I want us to talk about, Mm -hmm. because without the rest, we don't get to baseline level. Mm -hmm. So it is so important. Um, But you know, when I, I said, I'm going to just test it. And over time, it's amazing how your body does respond when it does get rest. And when you get those periods of rest, which you know, for me, if I schedule in a, a retreat, I'm like, when can I schedule it? Oh my word. It's like six months away. It's the first yeah. time I have three days, but at least it's scheduled, yes. right? Instead of just, well, I'm not going to be able to get yep. it in. And so can you give some hints? Because when we talk about sleep, I think people think sleep begins when you turn the light off, yeah. right? If they don't, if they actually turn the light off, sure. some people sleep with their TVs yes. on, whatever. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about some tips for proper, you know, sleep hygiene. Sure. Yeah. I would love to. And I'd love for you to add any that you have as well, because I think we've probably talked about this with lots of Mm -hmm. people. Um, but some, it's definitely does not start right when you put your head on the pillow. It starts before that. So a couple of just general tips. One is, um, find a bedtime that works for you. So for 10 o'clock was your bedtime that you tried. If you go to bed around the same time every night, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't include, I mean, it's okay for a weekend to stay up a little bit later, but just in general that your body gets used to saying like, this is the time that I fall asleep. Mm -hmm. It actually ends up helping. Um, some other things, I think it's really good to have a routine that you practice and that's different for each person, whatever it is that helps them feel more at peace. Some people like to read, some people listen to like a guided meditation. That's just like a sensory safe place. 
Um, but you know, taking a hot shower or a hot bath can be really good, relaxing for the body. I love Epsom salts because it's a good way. Mm -hmm. Um, lavender smelling even, um, using essential oils. Um, just so you're sort of letting yourself wind down. I definitely don't recommend journaling over intense, you know, trauma or history from your past right before going to bed because you're just getting your mind to be thinking about all of these things. So anything that kind of helps you to wind down, making sure that it's dark enough, that it's cool enough, um, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I think using, I've heard using your bed only for sleep. So if you're going to be doing something else, do that in a different place. So then you're telling your body when I get into bed, sleep is Mm -hmm. what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's so good. I, I know, um, the the big thing women do, what do they do when they lay in bed at night? They pull out their phone Yes. and then they begin to scroll. Right. And so this blue light and what happens, it activates Mm -hmm. a part of the brain And when you decide, yeah, I'm tired enough, my eyes are falling down, I can actually put this down, Mm -hmm. the brain is still activated Mm -hmm. in that way long after you fall asleep. And so you wake up, you're not as rested because your brain took, it needs to take time before it will actually allow you to get into that restorative mode. And so if you say, well, I'm getting six hours of sleep, or I'm getting eight hours of sleep, but I'm not rested when I wake up. Well, what do you do right before? Another mm-hmm. is alcohol, right? Yes. Let's let's just face it. Women like to have a, a glass of wine before bed or two, and they say it helps me to quote right relax. And um, what happens? Well, wine has sugar in it, so then your body has to process whatever it is that you're eating or drinking before bed. Yeah. And so you wake up in the middle of the night yeah. and all of a sudden you're like, why am I wide awake? Well, your body has just finished maybe processing or close to finished processing, whatever it is that you ate or drank mm-hmm. just before bed. That's when your body's saying, now it's time to go to sleep. Yes. And then you wake up three hours later and you say, why was I, I, why am I so tired? I better get the caffeine. And so then you go into yes. the caffeine and it's like the cycle. So eating, and sleep, eating and, and drinking before bed, giving yes. that space before turning off um, TV. Again, it's sort of like the blue light in terms of what it activates in mm-hmm. your mind, turning that off before so that your body can go into slowing down mode so yes. you can truly get good rest. And I was 100% skeptical. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying this as a recovering and I still have nights. I'm not, you know, I, I I don't do this every night. I'm not going to sit here and say at 10 o'clock, my head is asleep. It's especially with school and starting and all that. But, um, what I do know is when I do give myself the permission, right. To practice proper sleep hygiene. And I do sleep better when I wake up, I'm rested. And then what I feel through the day is feels more stable than if I don't. And I think what's interesting is that sometimes we try to squeeze in doing a whole bunch of stuff right before bed because we're like, man, I got to get this stuff done. But the thing is, if you actually go to bed and get the sleep that you need, then the next day you're even more efficient at getting Mm -hmm. those things done. Right. So So who knew we were going to talk this much about sleep? But so I know that's not the end. It's just one of the tips Mm -hmm. that you have. What are some other what Mm -hmm. are some other tips that you have? Yeah, I know we don't have very much longer. So just a couple of other practical tips. And believe me, there are so many more. But um, one is just using a cognitive behavioral technique, and that is changing the way that you're thinking. So when it comes to anxiety, a lot of times we accidentally go into what I call what ifing, and we accidentally just start thinking like, 
what if this happens or that happens? And it's usually negative, right? So, oh my goodness, you know, you can start with something small, like kids do this all the time in school. What if I don't do well on this test? And then, oh shoot, what if I fail this class? And what if I don't make it through college? And then what if I'm living in a van down by the river at some point? So we can go all the way down there. And what happens in your body is that your body is actually reacting like you're actually living that. So when you think I am homeless, your body is like, ooh, danger, stress. It's sending out adrenaline, cortisol. It's making you feel that anxiety because it's living like you're homeless when really you're just worried about a test. So I would say um, that's something really great to be aware of is just to start noticing, am I what ifing? You know, and we just accidentally start doing it. We're not always consciously aware of what's going on inside of our brain. But if that one practice could stop and instead of what if working on being present, Mm -hmm. it could reduce a lot of anxiety. That's good. That's good. So cognitively sort of taking thought, taking Mm -hmm. your, your thoughts captive, um, supporting your body and that what, what else? Yeah. And I would say, um, and I know we're kind of wrapping up, but this wasn't your fault. If you are struggling with anxiety or depression, please know that this isn't your fault. You didn't choose this to happen. And you're also not alone in the struggle. As April mentioned, many people are struggling with this and that there really are ways that you can get help that can help you get better. Um, so we look a lot at psych research and say, what is working? And what we found and psychological research has found is that when you meet with the therapist and when you potentially get assessed for medication, if that's something important that you need, it can really make all the difference in the world. And I'm thinking of so many clients that I've had over the years that maybe didn't get help all of their years. And then in their 20s or 30s or 40s, they come in for the first time and they're like, I have never felt this good before. I've never allowed my brain to just relax and felt peaceful and been able to be present and to enjoy my family, my kids, the blessings that God has given me. So my last thing is just don't be afraid to ask for help. Please reach out. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not something embarrassing. I think in this day and age, we're realizing like a lot of people go and see a counselor, even if it's just for a couple of sessions to get some ideas. Um, and, And the other thing I would say is that if you're stuck, you've worked on it, you've been to counseling, you've tried all of these things, you know, consider the fact that maybe there is trauma in your past history and, you know, those things can really impact us in ways that we're learning more and more about. So that trauma is something that does need to be worked on and reprocessed. Thank you. I know this is a lot, um, really in a very small period of time. And so for those of you that you list that are listening, this could be just the very tip, right? Of what it is that you're experiencing and you're saying, okay, I can try these things, but I know it's deeper than that. I know Jean just now touched on what is it that has happened that might be still, um, that you might still be carrying with you. And it's, you don't have to. And that's the beauty of this. This message, this podcast today isn't just say, hey, we're going to give you some practical solutions for positive change. We want to give you hope because you don't have to, live overwhelmed, right? You don't have to live crushed by anxiety. You don't have to live under the darkness of depression every day, day in and day out. There is hope. Uh, And so we want to encourage you. Thank you, Jean, for bringing some of this to our attention. And we have so many uh, blogs about um, anxiety and depression on our website. I want to send people there. If you have a specific question or an example, I want to encourage you look in the notes uh, for the number for our care line, text us those questions or email us. 
again, this is just the very beginning of this discussion, but we know that women are experiencing anxiety and depression. It's real. It's, uh, when it's, when it's in your life, it's not just as easy as, Hey, take a deep breath. Um, Hey, distract yourself. It doesn't just go away that easy. And so you want to live day to day without the impact of this crushing your life. Right. And so we want to encourage you reach out, um, text us, call us, look on our website for some resources. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share? Sure. I just think um, a lot of people, we all have our phones with us at all times. So I just wanted to share an app that I think is helpful. Um, It's called Headspace. And it just sends reminders to help us remember to breathe and do basic self-care during the day. And there is so much more to it. But check it out. See if it might be something that could help you. Perfect. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us. Uh, We hope that you'll join us for the continuation of our women's series. And again, reach out to us if you need something. We are here for you. You've been listening to the Care to Change podcast, where we discuss practical solutions for positive change. Don't forget to view the show notes for resources mentioned in the conversation. Please reach out to us through the care line at 317-979-7133 or at help at caretochange.org. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube as well. Thanks for listening, and we hope to continue to foster practical solutions for positive change.